This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Jones, today joined by a crack team <laughs> of Chris Beasley and Paul Wheelock to discuss Everton's first point of the Premier League season, uh, Damari Gray's late goal, eventually earning Everton a 1-1 draw a home to Nottingham Forest in, I think what we could admit probably wasn't the most exciting game of football that we're uh, that we're ever going to watch. But, Bees, you mm. were there with me at Goodison Park nice. at the weekend. A point to point, I suppose, but it could have really been more for Everton, really, couldn't it? Yeah, I think we were, were expecting more than that's uh, no um, disrespect to Nottingham Forest, who have uh, assembled a hu- hugely expensive new-look yeah. team. Uh, and you could think... Forest uh, could could be a decent outfit going forward, but unlike a lot of newly promoted sides, this might have actually been a good time to play them. In that there's so many new signings, it's impossible to bed them in also so quickly. I mean, you even look at that um, bench, the fact that they had uh, Morgan Gibbs White and Dennis both on the substitutes bench, so they're still having to integrate a lot of these new signings. So the hope was that Everton could take advantage of that and get a first victory of the season. Peppered their goal with a lot of shots, but it's not like um, keeper had he didn't have to pull any worldies out the bag, anything like that. Just the, yet again, we all know, don't we? There's a fear that there's no natural goal scorer there lead, leading the line. Rondon was back in, um, at least gave a focal point to the attack. Um, at least you know, could play off him, and um, it, it, they have been missing that. But I just fear that um, he's never going to be up to, to, to scratch now the way, the way we want him. He's been an effective Premier League player in his, his first time over in England at, at West Brom and Newcastle United. But I think after you know that spell in China, as much as he's uh, tried to work on that fitness this past year, he's not what Everton need. And they're just still crying out for that strike. And I just hope that they do get somebody through the door um, before the deadline just because um, Everton can't afford to keep writing off all these matches. Mm. I mean, Paul, Steve Cooper said after the game that he thinks uh, Nottingham Forest were the better team and they deserved the win. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure which game he was watching, to be honest, because I didn't see it, certainly uh, get that impression from the match. But what, what, did, what did you make of it? I think Bees has summed it up quite succinctly there in that, you know, Everton did play some nice football at times, but it's quite obvious where Everton are, are lacking right now, isn't it? Massively. I thought if, if we would have got the goal in the first 15, 20 minutes, I think it would have been a pretty comfortable afternoon. Actually, for Evan played really well in those. I know Connor Cody said in your interview then, and the plan was to take the game to Forest. And, and we did that. And we did that. We just, there were a lot of good balls going in the box, a lot of shots from outside the box, a lot of shots from outside, two or three kind of chances or half chances in the opening stages. So we can't knock the setup or the, the attitudes of the players because it was very positive. But it, 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 yeah, I think it was the, the, the one of the classic examples where it's close towards the end of the first half, where Gray was on the left hand side of back and he whipped a free kick in, and Henderson saved it with his feet. And you just wonder if Calvert Lewin or a more mobile centre forward than Rondon was there. And I think it's been the case against Villa and Chelsea as well. Those little scraps in the box where strikers just instinctively are, we we would have won that game. And it's hard. It's 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 hard to. To, to knock Rondon in a way because as as you, as you said, Chris, he gives you that focal point, which and I, I don't know you said in one of your analysis pieces, Adam. I don't think the subs work strangely, but at the same time, you look at Rondon, and you think, God, can you not be a bit quicker? But <laughs> you clearly yeah. can't because he's just not that player anymore. He's getting on, and 
we just seem to be stuck in, a, in two bad places at the moment. That we? We've probably got a forward there who's probably an adequate squad option, but not really ready to start. But then you take him out and we haven't got, you know, a, a natural centre forward. I thought it was really tough on Dwight McNeil to go up there. You know, it's clearly not his position. But, no, I don't agree with Steve Cooper. It wasn't a disaster. Uh, I thought the start was good. Thought the end obviously showed a lot of characters to come back with, with less than ten minutes on the clock. You know, credit to the boys for that. But yeah, there were bits in the middle where, again, it's, we're saying the same things, crying out for a centre forward. And, and and the worry is that we've played a Forest side who, as you said, Chris, uh, you know, could be a good side this season. But they're clearly, you know, they're, they're almost getting built from scratch again. We should be beating them. And you even look at Villa's two results either side of the win over us, and they're not in a good place. Chelsea lost at Leeds and. We've got to be positive. It's still early days. Uh, there's still plays to come in, all being well. But yeah, it can't go on where we, we keep on tossing points away because it will be a, a tough season if we do that. Mm. I think a lot of uh, a lot of emphasis after the game, especially, was placed on that double substitution that Frank Lampard made, yeah. which brought Salomon Rondon and Tom Davis. Both of them came off the pitch. Uh, and obviously, you know, Everton did lose that focal point in Rondon when he went off, but you could kind of see what Lampard was thinking. He was he was getting tired, wasn't he? You know, it yeah. was it was it was his first start of the season and you could you could tell it was his first start of the season sort of thing. But I think it was something that I alluded to in a piece yesterday. It it, it kind of sums up the problem that Everton have sort of walked themselves into now. Deli Alley was sent out to warm up about half an hour before the end of the game. Yeah. And when Everton were desperate for a goal, he was still patrolling the sidelines, doing his stretches. Yeah. We've sent out Ellis Sims on loan, who, you know, you can argue whether he's ready for the Premier League or not, but he's an option yeah. nevertheless, isn't he? So it, it, it's just a it's just a strange situation that Everton find themselves in now, isn't it? And you can understand a lot of fans' frustrations in the it, it it's kind of avoidable in, in some sense, isn't it? Yeah. Um Frank Lampard was speaking about this before the game in the press conference on Friday and I'm, I'm not too sure if I agreed with what, what he was saying, to be honest, in that, you know, he pointed out they'd lost Dominic Calvert-Lewin half a week before the season started, and which, of course, was an unfortunate injury. But you shouldn't have been putting all your eggs in the Calvert-Lewin basket anyway. Um, Richarlison had been sold on the 1st of July. It was a deal they knew was going to happen a long time before that. It needs to be more forward planning. And you can't depend on... Yes, when Calvert-Lewin is fit, he's an England standard centre-forward and has scored a lot of goals the season before last. But given all the troubles he had with his fitness last season, you can't be dependent on him. Um, it's something Michael Ball said in his column, we'll have that coming up later, you know, 40 games a season. That seemed very naive to think that he was going to give you that. And you need other alternatives in there. I mean, Michael even argues the point that even if Richarlison has stayed, you might need another forward option there, or ideally. And... With the two young lads, Ellis Sims and, uh, and Lewis Dobbin, then, OK, yeah, we understand what Frank has said and that they need to have that development, go play lower division football on loan. But you could have perhaps waited, sell them towards the transfer deadline. While Everton were in this position in the early weeks of the season, they could have come in, done a job on a short-term basis and then send them out for the majority of the season. But it just seems strange to let them go now. Literally gone into the season without a recognised centre-forward for that first game. Rondon's come back now from suspension, but yeah, not much fit, not sharp enough. If he is he ever going to be sharp enough? I doubt it. But whatever and need. Um, yeah, it's it's a mess. And like you say, Deli Ali, um, we're hearing all week that Everton given the green light for him to go to Besiktas, but Everton don't really 
have anyone in his position anyway. They don't play with a ten, um, so it's a strange one anyway. Especially with the the lad from 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 Ajax, uh, Kudos, or however you pronounce it, being linked. I'm told he often plays as a ten as well, so I'm mm. not too sure how he fits into it if he if he was to come to Everton. But yeah, it's strange that you know they, they were obviously crying out for a goal, they're crying out for changes, and Deli Ali's left on the bench. You've got five substitutes you can use this season, and they're not able to utilise it because the manager obviously doesn't think there's enough there in reserve to actually make a change. Um, it, 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 it's a, it's a um, tough situation for them. And I don't, so I, if, if Deli Ali decides that he is going to stay, I'm not too sure long-term where he, he does fit in because, I mean, do you even get to a point where if he approaches that 20 games, are they going to deliberately not use him to, so the 10 million doesn't kick in? So let's just see what happens to him this this next fortnight. Yeah, but it's a course state of affairs when you've got him warming up on the, the bench and, you, you know, you only use two of your five subs. Mm-hmm. I think, Paul, if, it, if we're playing devil's advocate a little bit, I think from the club side of things, especially in terms of this striker search, they'll probably say, well, I think, despite what Frank Lampard says in his press conferences, it's quite obvious to other sides that Everton are desperate for forward options at this point. But even with the sale of Richarlison, as we know, Everton's financial situation isn't really in the sort of position where they can be throwing money at it and, you know, given an extra couple of million here or there to try and get the deal through. So it must be quite a tough uh, sort of negotiating position for the club to be in. I, I, and I think a lot of fans would understand that. But, you know, we are getting a lot closer to this transfer deadline now. Uh, this is nine points that Everton have already played for this season. Only got one. There's two more uh, Premier League games before the transfer deadline, isn't there? You know, it, it, time is... Time is kind of running out because I think, as B's quite rightly mentioned, Everton aren't really in a position where they can afford to just push these points to one side. No, not at all. And I think it was only a couple of weeks ago, was it just after the Chelsea game, we were on this pod and we were praising the recruitment because at that stage, it sounded like a Drissa guy was going to come in within days. Frank had talked, you know, uh, a lot about how a striker was going to be needed. But you've got to be careful. It's, it, is, it is a really difficult balance in that because, you know, Everton aren't the only club in for a striker at the moment. Wolves, Man United, it sounds like Villa are going for someone else. Rissard. There's a lot of teams who want forwards. We're probably teams who are probably better positioned in the table and better positioned financially. So it is a very tough market. But they did a lot of good business early on in the window to strengthen the defence. Hopefully Anana can uh, deliver on his promise and hopefully Guy still comes in and then the team's looking a lot more solid. McNeil's another good option wide. But yeah, they've, they they need to get it sorted, and you guys will know better than me when you're with Frank Lampard in the room with him before and after matches. But you can tell he can't really say much more now, can he? You know, you can you can tell with the post-match press conference on Saturday. He knows it. Everton know it. They've got to act on it in some way. Uh, it is difficult with the money situation. It is difficult because Calvert Lewin could come back in a few weeks, and then you've got to say to that player, listen. Unless we change formation and go two up top and, and play a number ten in front of two midfielders, they may not be uh, they may not be starting every week. But it, it just it it needs to be done. It needs to be done as soon as possible. Like you, again, I, I'm trying not I'm trying to stay on the positive side. But Brentford and Leeds over the next week, you've got to be trying to take at least three points out of them because the two games after that are very very difficult. Uh, they're very very difficult. I think we need some kind of resolution on Delhi Alley this week. And maybe, and maybe the Anthony Gordon thing. It's I know Everton have been very strenuous in saying he's not for sale. You know, Gordon's not asked for a move. But in the back of the minds, they must be thinking as well: what if they come back with fifty, fifty-five million? Because that will 
you know, that could change things, couldn't it, in terms of going out and buying a striker. So, yeah, there's a lot up in the air at the moment. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, I mean, as we record this at about quarter past two on Monday afternoon, you realise all these uh, all these things do change. Uh, you know, Anthony Gordon has reportedly taken Everton out of his Twitter bio, did put that to the club, and they they keep saying that they, they're not aware of any new talks or any new bids that might be submitted for Gordon as things stand. But if we're just looking at his performance at the weekend, mm-hmm. bees, it was... Well, he seemed to mirror the team, I think, in a lot of ways, didn't he? He started well in that first 10 or 15 minutes, did look very bright. But I think we were saying to each other with Joe Thomas, weren't mm-hmm. we, that it did look like he was trying a little bit too hard, especially in the second half. Yeah, um, another thing that um, Michael Ball had said to me, and he can't fault the player for trying too hard, but almost like trying to make something happen, like a highlight moment perhaps when it, it wasn't quite on. It was interesting, actually, after that. I dashed off to get to get my train afterwards. <laughs> a couple of the fans from from Goodison were talking about that chance right at the end that he yes. had. They said that uh, you know a, a, a brave player would have actually put his body on the line and trying to gone in with the keeper and got clattered and won a penalty. I'm not too sure about that, but that's what the fans who were in the ground uh, were saying. Yeah, um, it, I, I thought yeah, it was similar again. Like you say, it, it was it was decent performance. Um, Frank, even um, if you take the transfer talk out, the equation has challenged him this season to create more in terms of goals and assists because that's the thing with Anthony. He's a lot of potential, but uh, you know, as a player in the final third, he does need to improve those actual tangible numbers. He needs to get them as, as part of the game. He can read it a lot into um, <laughs> these things that he's done where in terms of people have had different ideas about the, um, the salute to the fans post-match and the way he <laughs> applauded. I mean... To be fair, he, he, he tends to do that a, a lot of the time anyway say, after the yeah. game. So I don't really read into that. Maybe read more into the social media thing. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm I'm virtually twice his age. But I mean, if, <laughs> if, if, if I was a 21-year-old lad play, playing for Everton, and then even if there was you know, a, a transfer in the pipeline, just wouldn't go and do something like that. I just wouldn't yeah. remove the, the Everton livery or whatever you want to call it, or just the wording from, from your, your social media. The... I don't, I don't quite know what's what's going on, and he's certainly not the first or won't be the last no. who, who's done that. So no. I, I just don't get that personally. But yeah, one thing that Frank has said is that he doesn't think that the transfer talk will um, affect his performances, and as long as he is still an Everton player, I wouldn't have any um, problem in, in um, actually fielding him. We've we've done our um, teams for tomorrow, and I suppose we'll come to that. Uh, I personally have left him out, but it's nothing to do with any of the transfer stuff. That's just a squad rotation thing, but. Yeah, at least he's, you know he, he looks committed, and, and that's all. That's all you can ask, and just hope that as long as he is an Everton player, he keeps producing performances like that. And hopefully, if there are more Everton games from him, that that will be a bit more end product. Mm. I think Bees has hit the nail on the head there, hasn't he, really, Paul? I mean, of course, you know, in in transfers gone by, you have seen players sort of down tools in these sort of situations, or even you know, in very extreme circumstances, even you know, refuse to be selected for the squad. And Gordon has completely gone against anything like that. You know, the fact that we're talking about him perhaps trying maybe a little bit too hard to mm-hmm. impress. You know, it, it's, it, 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 well, I wouldn't say it's a nice scenario to be in, but, you know, it, 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 it's, it's still good to see him putting in the same amount of, of effort as he always has done, isn't it? Yeah, without question. I thought for 20 minutes he was absolutely outstanding. Like, the, well, maybe the team weren't outstanding, but I thought he was Everton's best player in those early stages, I do. I was on the way home and like 
BBC Radio Merseyside on a few people saying, and even Stubbsy kind of agreed a little bit. Alan Stubbs saying his head might have not been on the game, and I, I disagree with that. I thought he, he lost his way a little bit after that booking because he was charging round, wasn't he? He's so fully committed. I wonder if that played on his mind for a little bit, you know, after he got the booking in the first half. But then towards the end, he was he was leading the fight again, and yeah, he, he clearly does have to you know improve his end products. But on another day, and if 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 that end product was you know, if he polished it a little bit more, he could have come away with a hat trick on Saturday. There was the one in the second half where he curled the shot, which Henderson touched wide. There was probably a better opportunity when he cut him from the right onto his left foot, and he kind of just he just didn't put enough power on it, went straight into the keeper. And he, he and and that's the thing. The the argument is if Everton was to get fifty fifty odd million pound for him, is he worth that at the moment? Probably not. But if you talk what he brings to this side out. <laughs> it's really worrying because you know already we're talking about a lack of creativity and a lack of goal threat. And okay, he doesn't always deliver on on, on that goal threat, but he makes things happen. Uh, so you know, I, I had no problem with his performance on Saturday in terms of his social media thing. Yeah, he, he's a kid, isn't he? He probably should know a little bit better because he's only going to get tongues wagging. And I, I, I just imagine the truth with Gordon and not the, not the truth, that's probably the wrong word, but I imagine he's kind of in the middle where Everton do not want to sell him, but like any player, they've got his price and Gordon loves Everton. You can tell that by the way he plays every week, but Chelsea come knock him. Like you probably, you wouldn't exactly knock it back straight away, would you? You'd probably, you'd want to hear what they want to say. You know, he's a young professional, he's ambitious, so it must be tricky for him at the moment, you know, because yeah. this, this is the first time anything like this will have happened to him, I imagine. Mm. Well, I mean, away from transfers and, you know, looking back towards the performance at the weekend, I think if we're mm. focusing on positives, uh, you've got to start with Alex Iwobi, haven't you, Pete? Yeah. Um, another, you know, all-action performance <laughs> yeah. from, from Alex Iwobi. Who, I mean, can we even say what his favourite position is these days? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Because, but yeah, um, it's certainly, he was, certainly wasn't bought as a holding midfielder. Yeah. So you've got to give him plenty of credit in that respect. Um we wondered, was he a wing-back? Was he a number 10? Was he a winger? What was he? And, yeah, you know, it's the one area that Evan really sort of, along with centre-forward, are crying out for a supposed, you know, reinforcement and obviously the protracted attempts to bring Idrissa Gay back to the club. And, yeah, he, he, he was everywhere. Again, um, as covering every blade of grass on the pitch, um, just wholehearted dis- displays, feeding off the energy of the crowd, which seems to have really encouraged him since Frank Lampard um, came in. I mean, yeah, I think I did a statistical look at him last season and you sort of looked at how he was playing under Benitez and then under Lampard and it, it was night and day. It really was that different whereas his, his defensive numbers had all gone up and okay, his offensive ones had tailed off but a much more effective performer for the team because that was always the thing when he was in that attacking role. A bit like Gordon, I suppose, to a certain extent, wasn't getting the numbers to sort of justify that sort of uh, area on the pitch he was playing in. But yeah, there Who'd have thought it that, you know, a few months back, we'd be talking about this, Alex Iwobi and playing in this position. But yeah, you couldn't, couldn't fault him at all at the weekend. Mm. What do you make of him, Wheelow? I mean, you know, I've, see, I've seen some stats going around from Iwobi's game. Uh, since the weekend, I think he's created eight chances so far in the Premier League or something like that, which is more than double any other Everton player. And that's still from playing in that sort of deep position. I mean, I wrote at the weekend that I think he's probably first name on Everton's team sheet right now and I think that probably remains even if Everton do bring in another midfielder let's say and you know maybe he doesn't play centre mid anymore like you've got to try and fit him in somewhere else at this point haven't you because he he, he sets the example for everybody else on the pitch right now. 
without question. I thought it was summed up by that incident in the second half, was it, where he chased all the way back into the, the left-hand corner flag near the Gladys Street end and, like, everyone was off the feet. It was just it just summed him up at the moment. He's, he is truly a player, player transformed. I was watching Newcastle yesterday, that brilliant game against City, and the commentators were talking about Joe Linton and, like, you know, mm-hmm. the transformation he's had. And, like, Awobi's right up there with him. You know, he's been... He's been absolutely fantastic in the back end of the last season. He's been Everton's best player in these in these three games. And and you can see that kind of relationship between himself and the fans have, have changed because there were a couple of times on Saturday where he charged for he's always so positive and his passing was slightly astray, but there was no there was no kind of moans or groans or anything like that because the the, the supporters really appreciate what he's bringing to this side at the moment. And since that's what you were saying there, Adam, like, you know. If he, if this looks like his position now, doesn't it? Centre mid, and it, if if we are to get another midfielder, and you wonder if he gives Frank the option of playing three, whether it's four at the back or you know like five at the back or three in the middle, and then another one close to Calvert Lewin, because yeah, at the moment you can't, you certainly can't drop him from the team because he's the first name on the team sheet. But I don't think you can change his position either. He looks completely at home there, defensively and offensively. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing what's what's happened with him. Mm. I saw a bit of debate on the other central midfielder at the weekend, Bees, Tom Davis. Yeah. I thought he had a pretty, uh, pretty good game. I think the game not only changed when Rondon went off, but when Davis went off as well. I'm not sure that you know it was necess- it was particularly necessary for Davis to go off, unless it was, again, sort of a match fitness thing, but I didn't think he seemed to be tiring. I, thought of, I saw a few people saying that he, he wasn't exactly very good at the weekend, but what's it? Did you make it? Yeah. Uh, I think Tom Davis seems to be um, suffering of who he isn't rather than mm. who he is at the moment. Um, I was down at Villa Park the previous weekend, obviously, where he had to come on in the first half because after Lee Decore got injured and looked pretty solid there, fitted, fitted in well, slotted in well. Um, yeah, he's been pretty um, seamless. And like I said, the problem seems to be that, you know, he's not an honour and there's an excitement that he brought like that, or he's not the coveted defensive midfielder who they keep trying to sign and haven't signed. Or even he's not Alex Awobi, I suppose. Mm, um, yeah. But um, yeah, I thought it was solid again from from Tom. And we, as much as we're all excited by Anana, I mean, there were moments again. Yeah, it was up and down at Villa, and then set up the goal after giving it away. Okay, we still have forty yards to run for that goal at Villa. But then the incident when he lost the ball, setting off on on Saturday, and then the rugby tackle. I mean, <laughs> attempted rugby tackle. The less about that, the better. I mean, at least get that out of the system early, early on because we don't want any more of that. Um, I know he's a big lad, but um, don't want to be switching codes like that. Um, but yeah, um, he's obviously let's not let's not sort of drum that self confidence out out of him. But uh, yeah, we can understand whereas so much excitement for Anana even before he was on the pitch and when he was warming up and down in the Gladys Street getting excited there as he's going up and down the main stand on the touchline but like I said with Davis it, it, it's who he isn't rather than who he is and I think he's been he's you know had, given, considering he's had to slot in difficult circumstances I think he's been pretty solid to be fair The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo I mean, Paul B's mentioned there that he doesn't think that Davis is the, you know, the sort of number six defensive midfielder. He's certainly not the new transfer that uh, Evertonians have wanted. But if, like, say, for example, Frank Lampard is to switch to uh, a three-man midfield in in the sort of near future, Tom Davis has played as that defensive midfielder before. And I think he's done quite well, especially under Carlo Ancelotti. He seems to really get a tune out of him. 
in that position. Is he arguably Everton's best option in 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 that role that they've that they've currently got? Even if even if Idrissa Guy come, comes in, I do think he's I, I don't think he's necessarily suited to being a number six either. So it's. I suppose it's it's it, it's interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? Like it, it, I just I just think that Everton haven't really addressed that position in the squad, even if they do bring in somebody like a guy to go alongside Onana. No, no. I felt on Saturday, I think the biggest compliment you could pay Tom was that Everton were a worse team after he went off, and you know, like that that spoke volumes how we played. I think probably should have done better with a couple of those chances I spoke about earlier. But he was he was again nice and positive. I think him and Owobi slotted in alongside each other really well and I thought he did pretty well at Villa as well apart from a tackle that yeah you know that definitely merited a, a yellow card I, I think with Tom I'd, I'd be I'd be lying if I said if I think he is a first choice player at Everton but I I don't mind him being in the squad and I'd rather have Tom Davis looking for a place in midfield rather than Gabamin and Gomez and you know two players and a one's injured at the moment but who clearly don't have long-term futures at the club Still think we need another person in there. I think a just a guy uh, or a player of his ilk would would help things massively, really. But yeah, I'm I'm quite happy with Tom being in the squad. Thought he was really good on Saturday uh, and did well against Villa. So in the, the couple of appearances he's made at the moment, uh, no problems whatsoever. Yeah, I still think we need someone better in the number six role. But yeah, Adam, I, I agree with you. It's probably the best of the options there at the moment. And mm. sticking with you, Paul. I mean, I suppose we've got to. Talk about the goal that eventually came for Everton as well. Long ball forward from Pickford, a bit route one, wasn't it? But, you know, picked out Damari Gray expertly well. Amazing first touch and it was a very cool finish from the winger, wasn't it? Yeah, he was great on, I thought Gray was great on Saturday. Uh, I know he's had a bit of few, few, few critics, hasn't he? After the first two games of the season, he's been in and out a little bit. He's not taking his chances, but I thought, along with a Wobie, and thank heavens he was there on Saturday and Gordon to a, a little extent I thought he was absolutely brilliant uh Gray great ball by Pickford probably needed to make up for his uh his part in the goal I think you know Pickford's been absolutely amazing for Everton but I don't think looking back he may think he should have pushed that further wide but his distribution's absolutely tremendous I know yesterday afternoon Pope had a really good game for Newcastle he's a really good goalkeeper and you, you've got the usual high profile journalists on Twitter now it's not Ramsdale it's Pope isn't it for England yeah. you've got to remember there's two things to that yeah Pickford probably should have done better with the goal for his score but look at that distribution uh, there's not a goalkeeper in England who's got footwork as good as that and it's an option you know if, if, we're, not, if we're going to play without a striker and hopefully it's no, no that's not going to happen we're going to have one in for Brentford on Saturday do that you know, because I think there was a little while on Saturday, wasn't it, where we looked a bit like once we took Rondon off, it was like the team didn't quite know what to do because they've obviously been, they had that focal point that Chris had talked about. But once they got to grips with it, Pickford, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Uh, Gray, out of the three, I think Gray's probably the best of the option playing central because he's got that, he, he looks the most central kind of player to me. But yeah, great finish by Gray. Deserved it for his performance and fair play for Pickford as well. I think Gray looked sharp, didn't he? Bees and he threw throughout the game. But I think what impressed me most uh, at the weekend was probably his set pieces, put in some uh, really nice deliveries into the box. And as Paul rightly said a little bit earlier, you know, likes of Tom Davis potentially should have should have done better with the opportunities that were created. Yeah, that one at the back post for, yeah. for Davis. Um, you just get more like a, got the connection on it. Yeah, um, you can see both ends of the field that they're, they're working hard and trying to improve these set piece because mm-hmm. it was a real Achilles heel unfortunately 
last season. Uh, it was noticed that um, Ashley Cole has moved from his. Um, he was he was up with us, wasn't he? Off in yeah. the press boxes last season, trying to get a vantage point. Uh, not that you get a great vantage point. Uh, some <laughs> press box of, um, the, the, what was going on the pitch, but he's now on the touchline, a very much a hands-on role, both mm. um, boxes, both offensively and defensively on the set pieces. And hopefully it's an area that Evan can get joy out of because I mean, they really did struggle um, last season in terms of conceding from set pieces and then delivering it. It often goes to the first man, wouldn't get in to the danger area where it needed to be. So um, if we can have more of that going forward and hopefully some of them coming off, um, yeah, please, you've got to have that, that that delivery there. I know Anthony often takes them as well, but if you know if he's not there going forward, maybe, maybe that's more of a chance for Gray to be to be taking them, but yeah, it's an area that Everton can improve upon. And it's certainly, you know, if they're, if they're in a lot of these um, tight matches, um, which we have been so far this, this season, you know, only one goal in it, Chelsea and Villa, and then a draw on the weekend, you know, these set pieces can make a, a, a real difference both ends of the park. Mm-hmm. Right, well, moving away from the weekend's performance, we've got a midweek game for Everton to contend as well. This week, Everton taking part in the second round of the League Cup travelling to Fleetwood uh, on Tuesday evening. Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to come to you with the age-old question that we say every single time that this comes up. Uh, how, many, how many changes do you make to the starting lineup for a game like this? Oh, yeah, it's always the classic, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you just don't want to make too many, then lose, because <laughs> we will never hear the end of it for the next few days. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, for maybe longer than days. Uh, you probably bring in the, the new left back. Mm-hmm. Will Begovic be the goalie? I'm quite happy if Pickford plays, but you probably Begovic, Minagre, uh, Coleman's probably the time to bring him back in. Mm. Heen, the midfield, you give Anana a go. It feels like the time to just to, yeah. to, to, to bed him in. And then you probably stay with Rondon like bees. I think you could give Gordon a break, put so much into the game. It's probably about half and half, isn't it? I reckon maybe like keep five or six from the, the team on Saturday and then mm. bring a few. I wouldn't wouldn't go too much, you know, over overboard. It'd be quite nice to see a couple of the young lads on the bench as well, if not starting for what they did in the summer. Warrington, Mills. I know we me and you were speaking about it earlier this week, weren't we? Cannons had a brilliant start to the season. Is he worth a place on the bench? No, it's, it's a huge ask for him to play Premier League football, but he's been linked with like championships and League One clubs. Why not get him involved? And then if we're if we're a couple of goals ahead and winning comfortably, let's get him on. Let's see what he can do. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go overboard. Still want a strong spine to the team, but we, I, I wouldn't mind seeing three, four, five changes. Mm. I think bees. There was there was a lot of debate about Cannon, especially yesterday as it was confirmed that he signed a new three-year deal with yeah. the club. I think really, really good for the club to tie down uh, a talented striker like that, especially when he's on this upward tra- trajectory as he uh, as he is. But w- would you would you be tempted to start him at all on Tuesday? I think it's it's an interesting situation, isn't it? Because Rondon is you know quite obviously in need of match fitness, but is this match going to maybe come around a little bit too quickly for him in that sense? Or do you just give him the first half and see what he can do and then bring Cannon on at half-time. Yeah, I'd, I would, I'd keep Rondon in because, again, because it gives that focal point. And also, if you remember back, 
last season, uh, Boreham Wood in the FA Cup. Mm. Um, that was actually his finest hour yeah. in, in a Royal Blue <laughs> yeah. jersey to date. Uh, you know, against lesser opposition, against a non-league opposition, that like, OK, Fleetwood, a couple of divisions above them, League One. But hopefully, you know, if, if Rondon can start, if he could get a goal, that could help he boost his confidence ahead of Premier League fixtures at Brentford and Leeds coming on the horizon. And then get the game won and then give the young lads um, a, a goal second half. I mean... I think for me that that's the key. If you can try and get yourself in a comfortable position after an hour, the fact that we were talking about this earlier, you've got five substitutes now. You can make you do all the chopping and changing. Then once the game's won, don't like put yourself on the back foot from the start. If you know a lot of youngsters in from the start, and then all of a sudden you're a goal down or got a bit worse than that. And get it, get the get the tie won, get in a comfortable position with your established players, and then see if you're in a position to give the young lads a go. Because you can change half the outfield team now, both in the Premier League and Canabo, a couple of five substitutes. And uh, so that's what I'd do. I'd, I'd start with Rondon, spearhead in the attack, and then hopefully you're in a position where you can give these youngsters a run out. Mm. I think arguably as well, Paul, it's not just a debate about the personnel, I suppose. It's it's about the, uh, the system as well. I've, I've seen... Still, there's a lot of debate going on about five at the back, three at the back, whether we need to switch to a 4-3-3 or, or whatever. Do you see this as a good opportunity for Lampard to maybe test out uh, a new formation and just potentially see how different players might fit into it? Uh, yeah, it might. It, it, it could well give uh, Frank the chance to, to have a look at another system. Uh, you know, he's, he's played, obviously, with a three at the back and a four in midfield and three up front, and it suits the, the, the players we've got at the moment, but you'd hope for with further transfers to come in, they'll give us more options in midfield. And I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to see three in, three in the middle of the park, to be honest. And it, it kind of, that was probably on Saturday was one of the things. I know people around us where we were sitting with, maybe that could have been the changes he made. I know it would have been taking uh, Holgate, Tarkovsky or, or Cody off, but maybe retrospectively, he could have took a centre-back up from Cap Davis on there. I, I, I think he will be, I think he will be fluid. And I, we've got to give Frank and the, the coaching staff time until the end of the window to see what squad options he's got exactly available but I don't think he'll be rigid to, to free at the back uh, I just think at the moment in the Premier League that's what's probably best suiting Everton but this it's not a free hit got to win you know it's it, you know we don't want to what's been a fairly disappointing start to the league season to become you know like a mini crisis we're going out the uh, the Carabao Cup to, to lower league opposition but no I'm with you Adam I think tomorrow night could be a, a chance just to, to, to try a few things different. Well, let's hope we are celebrating Everton's first victory of the season tomorrow night. Bees, you'll be in in Fleetwood. Hopefully. <laughs> well, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had some, it's had some accreditation issues, but fingers crossed, <laughs> fingers crossed we'll be all right for that. Well, <laughs> but as things stand, Bees is set to be there for us, and you can follow uh, all of the action and reaction live on the Liverpool Echo. And then we'll be back a little bit later on in the week to uh, review this game and preview Everton's next Premier League match, which is coming away to Brentford next weekend. But for now, thank you, lads, for joining and thanks for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.